Ready? Our evening began in Peter Seychelles' comfortable study in his New York townhouse. My name is Jim Shear, and welcome to the official, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast, known as the Brouhaha. Some quick Brouhaha history before we begin, just to kind of set things up for you. So the Brouhaha started in 2010. So I've been doing this podcast for 12 years now. However, most of you know that I don't do it consistently. And there have been some years where I haven't done an episode at all. But if you think about it, that's very Beastie Boys-like, right? Hiatus is back off. Hiatus is back on. I did an episode in December because I realized if I didn't get one out in 2021, that would be two whole years without an episode of the brouhaha. But I am back strong this year. Yes. I did say in December that it's not like I was off the grid in 2020 and 2021. I guess in brouhaha land, yes, I was off the grid. But I was hosting radio shows on Sirius XM volume. And you may have noticed that I've resourced some of that content. Yeah, listen back. You'll hear where I resourced. And I've got some more clips to share with you throughout this year. And one that I wanted to share today is an interview that I conducted with Andre Kelman in 2020. Because on my SiriusXM volume show, The Jim Shear Show, we had a big Beastie Week prior to the Beastie Boys putting out their book documentary. So if you don't know, Andre Kalman, a.k.a. the Prince of Sides, and you'll hear why he's called the Prince of Sides, he was the sound engineer at Oscilloscope Laboratories. And if you take out your copy of Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, you will see that Andre Kalman helped record Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. So on today's episode of The Brouhaha, I'm going to play you that interview that I conducted with Andre back in 2020. It's too good not to share. Because I was thinking, all right, what could I do this week? I'm like, Andre's interview. Like, no one's ever heard that. I mean, if you listen to my show, you've heard it. But if you weren't listening to my show, then you've never heard this gem of an interview. But there's a little bonus attached. I was thinking to myself, I, I actually thought about this last year. I wanted to do a 10th anniversary special for Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. Can you believe it's it's already been 10 years for Hot Sauce Committee? Well, long story short, I never got to it. But I still wanted to do the 10-year anniversary just one year late. So on the next episode of The Brouhaha, I have contacted Andre, and we will listen to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 from start to finish And he will break it down for us. So it's a double shot 
of the Prince of Sides. This week, you'll hear his origin story. Next week, we will celebrate Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 one year late. But before we get to all of that, it is time for the scoop. Better believe it, y'all. It's a Oh, yeah. Giving you the latest B-Boy happenings. Now, I don't know if any of you have been watching Winning Time on HBO. It's a scripted series about the Los Angeles Lakers, late 70s, early 80s. I haven't seen it yet. And I remember hearing about it. I thought it was going to be a documentary. I didn't realize it was going to be an actual scripted series. So John C. Riley plays Jerry Buss. He is the lead character in this series. And on episode two, titled The Rise of the Lakers, there is a cameo appearance from the one and only Michael Diamond. Yes. Jerry Buss. And Red Arbach going to a restaurant. Mike D is the DJ. Keep in mind, this is late 70s, early 80s. So Mike D looks like a character from the late 70s and early 80s. Jerry Buss, played by John C. Riley, asks for some Louis Prima. And Mike D says something like, oh, yeah, good choice. And then that's it. It's a quick, it's a quick cameo. If you blink... You'll miss it. But once again, this is on episode two of Winning Time, and it's titled The Rise of the Lakers on HBO's Winning Time. So when that scene happens in the restaurant, look for Mike D. And there is, it was cool because there is a little Beastie Boys connection if you think about it. John C. Riley, you may remember, was in Fight for Your Right Revisited. He was the old version of Mike D. So it was like Mike D talking to Mike D. This episode was also directed by Jonah Hill. And I believe he, he produced the Beastie Boys story documentary, right? Like Spike Jones was the director. And Jonah Hill, you may remember because there was pictures of him tagging along with the Beastie Boys During the recording of these shows, I think he was the producer. So a couple little beastie connections there. All right, so that is your scoop. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will revisit an interview I did with Andre Kalman back in 2020. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. How you doing, ladies? So how did you ever make the transition from undercover cop to television superstar sensation? Well, for me personally... Uh, I had studied acting. I studied uh, method acting in school. I studied with Burt Reynolds, actually, Dom DeLuise. Interesting. Yeah, yeah and from that, I was just like hell, because I was a cop. And being a cop, I love guns, and I love arresting people and telling people what to do, because I like being in charge. And so then being on TV now, everybody respects what I say. Have you ever shot anyone? I'll do, I'll do anything. I'll do anything I want. We live with men, we work with men, and we sleep with men. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have girlfriends. Oh, you're not oh, single. Yeah. You're not, none of you are single. Well, I'm single. You know what I'm saying. 
the brouhaha. <laughs> we are back on the brouhaha. And I think I gave you all the information that you needed to know in the previous segment. So here is my interview with former sound engineer at Oscilloscope Laboratories and the Prince of Sides, Andre Kelman. Keep in mind, this originally aired on Sirius XM Volumes' Jim Shear Show back in 2020. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Jim Shear Show, and I am now joined by the Prince of Sides, Andre Kalman. Yo, yo, what up? So Andre, what was your official title at Oscope? So I was uh, the head engineer, so I got to work with the band exclusively on that record, uh, Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. When you started working at Oscope, how did that come to be? Did you give someone a resume? Did someone actually, recommend you? Yeah, somebody referred me. I used to work for this company called Soundtrack. One of the partners there, he's a mixer, Paul Shu. He was the one that worked with Yauk on um, Awesome I Fucking Shot That. And at the time, he was working on Gunnin for that number one spot mm-hmm. as a mixer. And I guess Paul recommended me to Yauk. So one, one morning, I got a call from Paul saying... Hey, Beastie Boys are looking for a in-house like studio engineer. Would you be interested? And I was like, of course. <laughs> so were you a Beastie Boys fan? I was a fan growing up and probably a year before I started working with them, I took breakdancing lessons just for fun. <laughs> and we would always throw on Beastie Boys because it was really easy to break to. <laughs> so you get recommended. Do you meet with Yauk before you're hired? Yeah, I met with Yauk like a couple days later. I fit a lot of the criteria that they were looking for. So I was an engineer and I have a little bit of a technical skill set of like... Did you bring a resume? I did. I saw my resume. Did you dress up? Did you wear a tie? No. (laughs) I should have though. But yeah, I met with Yauk. He was pretty cool. He showed me the studio. He showed me a few things. And then he was looking for somebody with like my skill set of like being an engineer, but also being uh, able to like fix equipment, solder cables, you know, run like technical stuff. And you could do all of that. Yeah. Configure systems, like, you know, optimize digital workstations and stuff. Um, He brought me on on a weekend, like a weekend, like a Sunday to kind of test me out, test my skill set out. So, and then um, I just followed up with him a few days later saying like, Yo, that microphone you have, you're missing the stereo like XLR cable. I can make that for you very easily. And then the ten minutes later, nice, nice. Ten Andre. minutes later, ten minutes later, I get a call from his uh, like video producer saying, "Hey, we want you to come on board." And I was like, "What? You took initiative. Way to go, Andre." That's right. You got to follow up. So you just worked at Oscope, not necessarily on Beastie Boy stuff, but whatever came down the pike. Pretty much, yeah. And there was a lot of uh, other bands that came through to record there. And I know you told me that Kanye once recorded at Oscope. Yeah, he came through a couple of days. Um, do you know what? Do you know what album what that was for? That, I think that was for like Pablo, and it was like a year before Pablo came out. But do you remember um, him recording any stuff? And then when Pablo came out, you thought, oh yeah, he he recorded that at Oscope. I mean, they kind of played around all night with different songs. I'm not sure what. They ended up keeping or not. But yeah, they came through with a huge team. 
and they uh, played around all night until like 5 a.m. or something. And then, and then the next day he was supposed to show up, but he, but he never did. So what was Kanye like back then? It was Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> was he, was uh, he eccentric back then? Oh, I mean, for sure. <laughs> did well, he make see, any odd requests? Oddly enough, no. Okay. Um, I mean, if, whatever you see on TV or hear in interviews, that's pretty much him. It's not like he puts on a show. It's basically, <laughs> that's him. Besides that, we had like Jack White stop by. We had Nora Jones. What, what did Me Jack my... White do in O-Scope? Does he bring um, his own gear? Well, he actually, he was in town because he was playing the Tonight Show, I think. And he just basically came by and jammed with Yalk all day long. Oh, he did? Guys, yeah. What does, guys, that, what does that sound and look like? Take me through this, uh, Andre. Oh, man, that was epic. Um, basically, Yalk had this crazy bass line, which kind of sounded like a sequel to like Gratitude or something or Sabotage. It was uh, in that vein. Yauk and Jack White just kind of jammed on that bass line for a while. So Yauk's playing the bass line, and I'm assuming that Jack's playing guitar? He's playing drums, and then he jumped on uh, guitar, and then he jumped on the roads. It was, in the end, it kind of became this, like, crazy, epic... Where is this? You know, Andre, where is this? This is... I have no idea at this point. <laughs> you gotta know! So I, we I'm have, sorry. So we have a recording somewhere of MCA and Jack White. It was going to be an epic song, I'll tell you that much. It's it still can be an epic song. Let's I'm, let's I'm not, find it. Let's 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 dig. <laughs> I know for a fact that there was a Beastie Boys recording session in November of 2011. Do you know what those sessions sounded like? Were you there November 2011? I was definitely there, but I don't remember exactly what we were working on. But do you remember all the Beastie Boys working together in the studio? November, yeah. I feel like we started to pull out some old cuts that Yauk recorded like a long time ago. I think he kind of like wrote a bunch of hardcore songs by himself. I think we were working on that at that time. We we're kind of just like opening up old sessions and seeing. So when you say cool. when you say old sessions in 2011, what is an old session? Something from like 2002. Okay, early 2000s. Something like that, yeah. So they were doing hardcore songs in November of 2011. They were starting to, yeah. They were starting to play around with like, do that. Because we, at that time, Yauk made a bunch of uh, purchases and upgrades for the studio. Like we got two analog tape machines. We got a really uh, epic tube limiter. That's like very, very rare, rare these days and like good condition. So we were starting to like utilize that equipment to kind of uh, have an analog workflow. Now, who from the band was all there in November? Was Mixmaster Mike? Was so Mixmaster Mike was there. Oh no, no, this is I'm talking about um, just Adam, Adam, and Mike. But would that have been the last time that Yauk was recording in Oscope? That was pretty much yeah, like at the end of 2011, uh, right before it was like a you know three four weeks. From November to December, I want to say. Where are these recordings now? They're on drives, they're on backup drives, and I have no idea. Everything was moved a couple of different times. I want to say they're probably in LA. Who who are they with? Are they with Mike, do you think? I think they're with management. So management holds all of these drives. 
We know that there's also a lost song from the, there's actually two lost songs from the, the Paul's Boutique sessions. Do you think we'll ever get to hear stuff from the Beastie Vault? I would love for that stuff to come out. Remember Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, there's always, there was going to be a sequel to that. So those, those songs are almost complete. They just basically, they need to be mixed. You can confirm that there is another Hot Sauce Committee album. Because anytime the Beastie Boys talk about it, it almost seems like they're, they're pulling one over on us. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was recorded that didn't make it to the final record. Yeah. What was, do you remember the song Bunt Cake? Because that was supposed to be on Hot Sauce Committee Part 1. So did Bunt Cake, under a different name, make it into Hot Sauce Committee Part 2? <laughs> oh, man, Bunt Cake was pretty sweet. Um, I, th- I want to say that Bunt Cake didn't make it. So what, what, what did Bunt Cake sound like? It was a quirky little song. <laughs> was it a um, rap song? Was it an instrumental? It was a rap song, and I think, uh, I want to say there was a part where Ad-Rock had a little verse about Mike D's curly perm. Was there a hook to it? Man, that goes so long ago. Uh, Andre, it wasn't remember. that long ago. It was, it was almost 10 years ago. That's not that long. Andre, how old are you? Uh, I'm 34. Okay. See, you're, you're still rather young. So 10 years ago for you is like centuries, but 10 years ago for me is like yesterday. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> hundreds of hours in a studio with the band listening to various different songs. I don't remember exactly how that particular verse or hook went. Was the, was the hook bunt cake? Yo, I want a bunt cake. <laughs> I don't remember, honestly, right. man. But that's I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to get into the back of your brain. Maybe it'll come out by the end of this interview. Once again, I'm speaking with Andre Kelman, the Prince of Sides, engineer at Oscope Laboratories. How did you get the nickname Prince of Sides? So every day we would come into the studio and we would start thinking about lunch pretty early on. (laughs) I knew it. It has to be about food. Right. So Mike D is actually the king of lunch. (laughs) <laughs> and I would take everybody's order. We would all agree on a restaurant to order from. Without telling the band, I would just always order a side dish or a couple of side dishes, like an appetizer for everybody to share. <laughs> and they would all be very appreciative of that. So at some point, Mike D dubbed me the Prince of Sides. <laughs> so take me through a normal Beastie lunch. Are we talking bodegas or are we talking fancier restaurants? No, we're talking. We're not talking bodegas, but we're talking, you know, uh, we're not talking like four-star Michelin-rated restaurants, but we're talking about <laughs> regular restaurants, too. Um, there was this place called Takahashi in Tribeca okay. on Green Street that, that was really dope. So let's, um, let's go through everyone's orders. Let's go back in time. You're ordering lunch today for the Beastie Boys. What does Mike D get? Mike D would get the Alaskan king crab hand roll. Mm. <laughs> I remember that was always for uh, a, a to go for him. Ad Rock would order a soba salad and a maki box, mm-hmm. and that was always kind of like my jam too. <laughs> and MCA would kind of switch it up from like a chicken entree lunch special or like a fish lunch special. Oh, so he ate chicken. 
Uh, yeah, I think he ate meat okay. at that time. Because at one point, I thought they were all vegetarian except Ad-Rock. I want to say that's accurate too, but when I started with them in 2008, uh, Yauk was definitely eating, I think, chicken and uh, fish. And then what kind of sides is the Prince of Sides ordering? Oh, I would order from, if we're still talking about Takahashi, I would order <laughs> the rock shrimp tempura, which is exquisite, <laughs> red miso soup. Mm. So, yeah, they're the only restaurant that has red miso where, soup. Where does the is, red come from? I don't know, but it's it's pretty fucking good. I highly recommend it. No, this all sounds good. I'm hungry now. Yeah, man, Tribeca, a lot of good spots. Did the Beastie Boys ever do dessert? No, actually, that was never a request from anybody. Wow. Yeah. So what was it like working with Yauk and the Beastie Boys? Literally like a dream job. I can't really describe it. I mean, it's it's my dream job. Yeah, it's a... You got to live it, you son of a bitch! I know. (laughs) I'm, I'm so lucky that I got to experience that, especially like super early in my professional career. Um, so yeah, I definitely took it and loved it. Like the band is so cool, down to earth, super humble, super like professional and hardworking. So were you, did you work a nine to five or were the Beastie Boys ever like Prince where they called you up at four o'clock in the morning and said, Hey, get down here at Oscope right now. No, (laughs) there was a few sessions where something similar happened. Um, but most of it was like, 10 to 6, I want to say. Okay. Family um, hours. Yeah. They're definitely family people. And they they definitely wanted that time to spend with family. What are the best memories of Hot Sauce Committee? Do you remember any jam outs? Any time where the, the light bulb went off and they were like, yes, we have a song now. What can you remember about Hot Sauce Committee from the Beastie Boys? Um, one of my favorite moments was when we recorded the song Say It. Mm-hmm. Just how all that came together. Like thinking about it just give me like gives me chills because it's like I mean that bass line. That bass Dear line. Lord. Literally probably one of my favorite songs, Beastie Boy and like of all time and Beastie Boy songs came together, like how it came together. It was like so epic. Tell me about it. <sighs> how would I start? Um <laughs> Well it started with I want to say a drum loop, and then we sort of started building on that. Horvitz, like we started just playing guitar. We basically just recorded a bunch of guitar chords, and then like chopped them up, sampled them, rearranged them, and then yeah, recorded that bass line on top. Put together pretty quickly in a couple of days, and then everybody did their verses through the distorted mics, and I remember. I think Mike and Adam wanted to change their verses, but Yauk was like, no, we, we, you guys should keep this verse because just like the way it flows is so good that it kind of ruins it if we change it up. And I'm just like, I definitely agree with them. I was like, these verses are cool. Like the new verses are cool, but just something about like the magic of how they were recorded originally. Yeah. just kind of like sounded amazing. So when the Beastie Boys are recording... Do they do one or two takes, or do they meticulously go take after take after take after take when they're recording vocals? It was it was interesting. Um, so we would record vocals in the control room with the music blasting, kind of like a live show. 
Like on an SM58 or something? On a SM58, exactly. No, what? So they're recording studio tracks on an SM58? <laughs> yep. Whoa. <laughs> it was pretty wild. I was like, well, don't you guys want to go into the contr- into the live room and like have that isolation? They were like, no, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, they kind of wanted to keep it raw, like have that energy like a live, uh, live concert, you know? So would they do one take? No, it would be we would we would loop up a uh, we would loop record basically, and they would just like comp from a few different takes sometimes. Okay, and then when they would go back and forth, were they all in the room together or mm-hmm, would, and, for oh, sure. okay? Wow, for sure. No, you can't do it any other way. You're you're giving us a peek behind the curtain. I love this, Andre. <laughs> My pleasure. So, Andre, before you go, have you seen the new Beastie Boys movie? I have not seen that yet, no. So you're going to watch it on Friday with the rest of the world? Of course. <laughs> Did you go to any of the book shows when they uh, when they came through Brooklyn? Yeah, I went to the first show and then the second show as well. I actually ended up getting a bunch of the, uh, the memorabilia and props and stuff out of storage for them for those shows. Do you have keys to that, that warehouse? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> I would, I would love to know. If you ever get bored and want to want to check it out, you let me know, Andre. <laughs> I know. I gave those keys back to management. I had them for a while, but the last time the management was in town, I just handed them off to them. And then, sadly, Old Scope is no more, right? That is... Well, the, the studio. The studio closed, but the film company just yeah. moved to a different location. Right, because there's an office still, in Brooklyn. Yeah, in Williamsburg. And they're still um, doing their thing, but as for the recording studio... Yep, the recording studio is no more. And what what happened to all of that equipment? Well, I don't know if you heard, but a lot of that equipment went to NYU. And NYU built a sort of like a replica of oscilloscope using the same gear, same uh, color pattern and scheme, and uh, a lot of the same sort of treatments and aesthetics. They preserve that stuff for the build out. All right, I'm gonna, room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna enroll at NYU. What major do I need to take? Is it uh, sound wanna, recording or something? Yeah, you want to enroll the Clive Davis School of Recording Music. I'm doing it. I'm doing it today. I'm filling out the application. <laughs> but do you think? Do you think those kids realize how awesome that is? I hope they do. I we worked with NYU for like three semesters before Oscilloscope closed. Um, so I got to work with a lot of amazing students who came through and worked at Oscilloscope. One of them is actually Maggie Rogers. See, even um, even more reasons to like Maggie Rogers. Exactly, yeah. She's she's great. She's a really sweet girl. I was uh, so happy for her when she got signed and she broke out. And then, Andre, what are you up to these days? I'm mixing a record for my friend Pedro, who is the percussion player in Gogo Bordello. I'm also doing a lot of post-production um, mixing these days. Like mixing trailers, short films. I recently finished composing a score for a feature film. It's my first one. It's called The Dark End of the Street. It's actually an indie film distributor just picked it up, so it's going to be out soon. You also have so, a new track on Max Tanone's album. That's right, yeah. Popery, right? And then I know that uh, Ad Rock also has a track on yes. it, too. As well as Champagne Jerry. And Champagne Jerry, yeah. Now... Do you ever hear from the Beastie Boys? I do, yeah. And uh, occasionally reach out to them myself. They're doing good. They're both in uh, on the West Coast. So, Andre, next time you see the Beastie Boys, can you ask them uh, about the vault? 
<laughs> if they if they need someone to listen to all the stuff, I'm more than willing. Yeah, I'll yeah. let them know. How, how, how should I let them know? You got to work at Oscope. What, what could I do to get myself in and say, hey, let, let, let's release some of that vault stuff? Um, you'll have to ask them really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be proactive like you. I want to build a microphone. Would that work? Um, you know, yeah, you can also... Bake them a cake or something? Ba- bake them a bunt cake. <laughs> I remember we actually put that on the calendar as National Bun Cake. I think it was like November 20th or something. I know it was very close to Mike's birthday. I'd really like to hear Bun Cake and the lost MCA Jack White track and the stuff they were doing in November of 2011 and the Jerry Lewis. So if the moment arises, put in a good word for me. Okay, Andre? I will. And uh, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So for Andre Kalman, the Prince of Sides... My name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. Yeah, there you go. The Prince of Sides, Andre Kalman. That, that right there was his origin story. Do not forget, on the next episode of The Brouhaha, making his brouhaha debut. Because keep in mind, yes, he, he was, we heard him today on the brouhaha, but he didn't speak with me for the brouhaha. He spoke with me for the Jim Shear Show. Next week, Andre will speak to me properly for the brouhaha, and we will listen back to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, celebrating its 10th anniversary one year late. So I will leave you with that. If you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on social media at Jim Shear, or you can email me at beastiepodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, my name is Jim Shear, and I will see Yens later. That's it, that's all, that's all there is. Yo, we gonna end it. On a one, two, three though, are you ready? One, two, one, two, three. Guaranteed we bring the brew, ha ha. Bring the brew, ha ha. Bring the brew, ha ha.